take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read several verses from this 24th chapter, Matthew, in just a moment. So just find Matthew chapter 24 and we'll be reading there. But you know today we have an app for just about everything on our phones, don't we? I mean, you can get the weather, you can find the news, you can read about health. There's even a Bible app, you know, and I was telling somebody just recently, one of the things that I can't get used to is, is people not turning to various scripture references in their Bible because that doesn't make a sound, you know, <laughs> unless you don't have the volume turned down. But anyway, we have an app for just about everything. So earlier this week, I was listening to my radio. I was listening to police calls on the radio, and I heard one that interested me. And then it confused me a little bit. And then it caused me to wonder what's going on because what I thought I heard, you know, sometimes I think I hear something and I hear this call and on this call, this woman had called for a police officer because what I thought I heard she said was on the phone, she had received a rapture warning. Now, somebody might say, boy, that's a neat app. I'd like to have that app right? And I thought, that's interesting. What if there were such a thing as an app like that? And then I realized we have an app like that. It's called the Bible. The Bible will tell us when the coming of Christ and the catching away of the saved, you know, there's some people who don't want to believe in the rapture because they say the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, the term caught up or catching up is there, and that is just a translation of the Greek word that if it were written over into English would be rapture. And so I have no problem with calling the catching up of the saved a rapture. But I just thought it was unusual that that, that sort of thing would happen. And I got to thinking about that, and I got to thinking about this 24th chapter of Matthew. But listen, we don't need an app to tell us that we're close to the coming of Christ. And by the way, if you have to have an app to tell you that the rapture has taken place, you missed it. Okay? Matthew chapter 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers or various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Now look down to verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, 
they shall deceive the very elect. Now drop down to verse 31. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When, he, when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye, see, when ye shall see all these things, know ye that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then down to verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. I said we don't have to have an app to know that the coming of Jesus is near. And what we do have though, and aren't you glad that we have it, we have the Word of God that you and I who are saved can take and read, and by the power of God's Holy Spirit we can understand what this Word of God is telling us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says this, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. You see, lost folks don't have this understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. A child of God can take this Bible, and I think I wrote something like this in the bulletin today, part of my potpourri that was in the bulletin this morning. You know, if you'll just take the Bible and read and study and read and study line upon line, word upon word, precept upon precept, you know what? The Bible will open up to you. I think I used that illustration. If not, I'll plan on doing it sometime in the future of what I was talking about. But we can take the Word of God and we can read the Word of God and we can understand what God's saying to us. Now sometimes it takes time for us to get it, isn't it? And the problem's not with the Bible. The problem with us, and sometimes it's with our understanding. Again, unsaved folks don't have that spiritual discernment. And so what I'm going to give us this morning is a rapture warning. This is your warning. This is the app, okay? This is your rapture warning. And this message, like I said, has been a while coming. We look at what's happening in Israel right now. And I'll just say, for me personally... I don't get as concerned when there's fighting over there as when somebody comes up with a peace deal. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Because the Antichrist is going to come up with a peace deal for Israel. He's going to come up with a seven-year peace plan for Israel. But with the things that are happening, there are a lot of folks that have a lot of questions. And you know what? I can't answer all the questions. Amen. I don't have all the answers. Now, nobody knows when Jesus is coming. And then I thought I'd be real smart one day, and I told some folks, I do. You know when Jesus is coming? When God the Father says it's time. And no man knows when that is, but here's what God has given us in his word. He has given us some things to look for. It's called the season of Christ's coming. We can look around and we can see some things happening, and we can know that we are nearing the time of the Lord's return. 
And so that's what we're going to look at this morning for just a few moments. First of all, we have a warning in the world in general. We have a warning from God, from His Word, and in the world in general that we're nearing the time of Christ's return. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul warned Timothy, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, doesn't that sound like our world today? You know, there are folks who say that, well, you know, we are on the, we're on the evolution scale. Man's just getting better. And I can look out and listen to the news. I can watch what's going on around us. And I say, oh, really, show me. Because, folks, we're not getting any better. And that's what the Word of God says is going to happen. And, you know, just, just that simple examination of the world around us will prove that to us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 declares that the world is not going to evolve into a better state, but this world is devolving into sin and unrighteousness. Amen. There is a principle, and I've shared with you before from my time in radio, that there's just a principle of natural degeneration. And let me illustrate it. If you were to take a master tape, this was back in the days of tape. This is why digital is so much better. But you'd take a tape, and somebody else wants a copy of that tape, so you make a copy. Not too bad. But then somebody else wants a copy of that tape, so you take the copy and make a copy of the copy. And then you make a copy of that copy. And the more copies you make as you work down the line, folks, the lower the quality gets. And that's what's happening. People are not copying the master or the master copy. People are looking at mankind and saying, oh, we're getting better, and they're copying one another. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 1 says tells us, beginning in verse 10, and thou, Lord, listen, it declares that this world's wearing out, that everything's running down, everything's wearing down. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same in thy years shall not fail. You know what he's saying? He's saying God's getting ready just to fold this, just like you'd take a shirt or something and fold it up and put it away. God's getting ready to fold this thing up and put it away. You know, one of the laws of physics is that everything is in a natural state of degeneration. And it's illustrated by taking a child's toy, like a top, if you've ever played with a top, and you spin it, and when you first spin that top, it's a real tight rotation, isn't it? And that top's standing upright. But what happens as that top begins to slow down? It begins to wobble back and forth, and it slows down, and eventually it just falls over. Folks, that's this world that we live in today. That's the condition of the world that we live in today. I want you to notice, go back to Genesis chapter 3. We need to look at some things there. Genesis chapter 3, because I want to talk about how sin progresses. You do know that sin progresses, right? In Genesis chapter 3, what we have is the very first sin by mankind. What was it? Adam. God had given man one rule. Put him in a perfect environment in the Garden of Eden, and he gave him one rule. He said, now dress and keep the garden. Okay, he was supposed to do that. And he said, you can eat of every tree in the garden except one. And that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't you eat 
of that tree. And of course, we know the account in Genesis chapter 3 how that Satan came along in the form of a serpent, tempted Eve, and she gave in to the temptation, and then she gave to Adam. And I don't know if Adam was deceived or not. The scripture says Eve was deceived, but I don't know if Adam was deceived. There's been some suggestion that once Eve had sinned, he wanted to be with his wife. And so he just went ahead and sinned against God so that he could be with his wife. But he committed the first sin when he disobeyed God. You get over to Genesis chapter 4 and you look at the first eight verses, what has happened? Adam and Eve had had two children, Cain and Abel. And we have the first murder. Cain killed his brother out of anger because Abel's sacrifice was accepted of God and Cain's sacrifice was not. And God told Cain it's because sin lieth at the door. And this is one of the very first, this is the very first religiously motivated murder in the world. Since that time, killing in the name of religion has become quite common. And it's common in our world today. Sin just progresses. We get to the 19th verse, in fact, of Genesis, and we look there and it says, and Lamech took him to him two wives. This is the first act of bigamy. God had said to Adam and Eve, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife, singular, and there'll be one flesh. We get to the 19th verse, and here Lamech takes two wives. And then we move along on down to the 23rd and 24th verses, and look at this. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zella, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken to my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. The first double homicide. Sin, just progresses. He goes on to say, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. So what we see in the word of God is just what I've been saying is that sin progresses from killing one to killing two, from having one wife to having two wives, from there not being sin in the world and then Adam's sin coming into the world. And what Paul is simply saying in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is folks in the last days it's just going to get worse and worse. I mean, you can practice just say no all you want. You know, that was, anybody remember what, where just say no came from? It was the big anti-drug campaign. In fact, I heard the other day that the greatest cause of death in America today is drug overdose. Oh, but just say no. No, it gets worse and worse. Sin progresses. In society today, what we have is so many children raised in one-parent homes. And you know, if you're a single parent and you're raising a child in a one-parent home and you're doing a good job of it, God bless you. Amen. You know, children need at least one parent they can depend on. They need two parents they can depend on, but they need at least one parent that they can fully depend upon. And children are being raised in what's called values-neutral environments. You know what a values-neutral environment is? Well, it's just simply this. You're not going to be taught any morals in this home. You're not going to be taught right from wrong. We're going to let the children make up their minds. Listen, I love children, but children are not smart enough Amen. to make up their minds about what's right and what's wrong. Amen. In fact, most adults aren't smart enough to make up their minds about what's right and what's wrong unless they've been in the Word of God. And yet children are being allowed. We went to a church one time had a young girl. In fact, she's one of the girls that I call one of my daughters. We quotes around daughters because Joni and I practically 
for about six years raised her, didn't we? She was 12 when we went to that church and she was 18 when we left that church. She said her parents had two rules for her. Don't get pregnant and don't get in trouble with the police. Otherwise, you can do whatever you want to do. And that's the home she was raised in. And she just sort of latched on to us. She, was, she had been saved and went there as pastor and she latched on to us. She came one day and said she had made some bad grades or something, gotten her report card and made some bad grades. I looked at her and I said, well, you're grounded. Somebody asked her to go somewhere. She said, I can't, I'm grounded. Children want some structure. Children want some parents to tell them, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do this. And they want somebody to show them what is right and what is wrong. But children are being raised in these value-neutral homes today. Some parents don't want to teach right from wrong. They don't want to teach morals to their children. And so many of them try to leave it up to the schools. I got news for you. The schools are not going to do it. They can't do it anymore. You realize that the Bible's been taken out of the schools. The Ten Commandments are taken out of the schools. Prayer is taken out of the schools. Where are children going to learn morals at school with all of that taken out of the schools? So, okay, we'll send them to church and we'll let the church do it. Well, first of all, that is primarily the parent's job. Amen. Now, the church ought to teach these children. But you realize in church we only have them. If they are in everything we do about five hours a week and they spend the greatest time at home. If parents are teaching at home, the parents are teaching the truth. The church is teaching ought to reinforce what's being taught in the home. Amen. But we have so many children that are not being taught in the home. In our text, Jesus said back over here in Matthew 24, and in verse 37 he says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. What were the days of Noah like? Well, if you look at verse 38, they were just going about life as usual. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. And in fact, the scripture tells us that they did all of that up until the day that Noah entered into the ark. What are people doing today? I'm talking about the world in general. They're going about life as usual. We're getting up, going to work, going to school, going wherever we go. We're doing our thing, giving absolutely no thought, and these didn't in Noah's day, giving absolutely no thought that God's judgment is waiting. Amen. God's judgment is coming upon this earth, and you better be ready for the coming judgment of God. Turn back to the book of Genesis for just a moment. <clears throat> we get another look at what the days of Noah were like. Genesis chapter 6 and look at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I don't think I need to say a thing about this day in which we live, do I? It seems that every thought of mankind today is something evil, something foreign to the Word of God. If you don't believe that, turn on the television. Now, don't go away and say the pastor told me to watch TV. I said, you know, I'm just saying to prove what's going on in our world, you ought to see what's on television. Look at how things are advertised. Pick up a, a magazine or a newspaper or listen to the radio and, and see how much this world is involved in things that are foreign to the Word of God and violate the Word of God. They're going about life as usual. He says in verse 6, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You know, I just sort of wonder what 
what God's thinking when he looks at this world today. If in Noah's day, when people had gotten to the point they'd gotten to, and God said, I'm grieved that I ever made man, as he looks at this world today with eight, almost eight billion people in it, and the evil and the wickedness and the vile that is in it today, I wonder if God says, boy, I wish I hadn't let it go on that long. I wish I'd have taken it out sooner than that. In Luke chapter 17, verse 28, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot. What were the days of Lot like? Well, you can read in the Word of God what the days of Lot were like. You can look at Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19. What are those chapters the account of? They're the account of Lot in a city called Sodom. We're familiar with Sodom. We know what was going on in Sodom. And in fact, remember that the Lord came down and met with Abraham and the two angels are going to go into Sodom and they're going to look at what's going on there. And they get to Lot's house and Lot takes them inside the house. And if you look in verse 5 there in chapter 19, the men of Sodom came banging on Lot's door and said, send them out to us. And what was their request? That we may know them. Now, they're not talking about getting acquainted, okay? I'm going to show you that in just a moment. Because in verse 7, Lot replies this way, I pray you, do not so wickedly. Now, when was it ever wicked to want to get acquainted with somebody? When was it ever wicked to want to make friends with someone? Well, I don't think it is. Now, if you'll study, and I don't have the verses with me, I started doing this the other day because that word no can mean several different things. But the word of God said, before the law, God had put something in man, some knowledge of right and wrong in man already. Amen. And the scripture says when they do those things that are contained in the law, when they obey the law, without the law, they become a law unto themselves. See, this is before the Mosaic Law, but Lot knew what was right and what was wrong. And he knew what these men wanted, and so Lot said, please don't do this so wickedly. And in verse 8, you know what he does? He offers his daughters to these men of Sodom. And he says, which have not known man. Now, you expect me to believe that Lot's daughters lived in Sodom most of their lives, and they'd never met a man. No, that's not what he's talking about. Well, preacher, what are you trying to say he's talking about? He's talking about homosexuality. These men of Sodom wanted to have a homosexual relationship with these angels that had come down and come to Lot's house. And in fact, here's how bad it was. Lot said to these men about his daughters, do what you want with them. That's not a very good father either, is it? Amen. That's what the days of Lot were like. Listen, the perversion of our day is nothing new. And even though it's gone on for a long time, it's still sin in God's eyes. It has always been sin in God's eyes. You know what God calls it in his word? He calls it an abomination. Now listen, all sin is sin. I don't care whether it's, since Brother Truman referred to it in Sunday school this morning, I don't care if it's a, quote, little white lie, or if it's something horrible like murder. Folks, it's sin. If it violates the word of God, it is sin. All sin is sin, but there are some sins that God says of them, that is an abomination. And this is one of those sins. 
but it's one of those sins that has become more acceptable in our so-called advanced society. Listen to this. Two out of three high school students believe homosexuals have the right to marry according to a survey of high school attitudes about homosexuality. High school students. At least three out of ten born-again adults. Got that? Three out of ten born-again, quotes around born-again, born-again adults say that homosexuality is morally acceptable. Well, folks, God's Word calls it an abomination. It's just an illustration of how sin progresses and advances in our world. In fact, Revelation chapter 9, verse 21, let's just go over there and, and read that. Revelation chapter 9 and verse 21 says this. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. We're talking about the last days. We're talking about the times of what's called the great tribulation in the word of God. And he names four sins that are going to be predominant. And they are murders, and we know what murder is. It's, it's almost become a way of life in our world today. It doesn't matter whether it's a religious zealot or whether it's a, a, a drug dealer or a gang member or just some murderer on the street. Murder has, we're not shocked anymore today when we hear about murder. Sorceries is interesting because it comes from the word pharmakeia. We get our word pharmacy and pharmaceutical from that word. And literally, sorceries means one who uses any artificial means for producing physical effects, hence one who uses drugs, enchanted potions, or as a charm or a spell. Two big things that are going on in our world today is drug use and witchcraft. And folks, they go together. They go absolutely hand in hand. Fornication. The word fornication is the word porneia. We get our word pornography from porneia. It talks about illicit physical relations between males and females. You can't turn on the television. You can't turn on the radio. You can't listen to some call it music today. I know back in my day they didn't call what I listened to music either. But uh, uh, I think it's even digressed even farther than it was back then. But you can't listen to music. You can't pick up a paper or a magazine without seeing some ad for something pornographic. Pornography's big business. According to a Barna research poll from a few years ago, at least three out of ten born-again adults say that cohabitation or watching sexually explicit movies were morally acceptable behaviors. Three out of ten. A third of people who claim to be children of God so, oh, well, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And then the fourth sin that he names, and just go through this list again, murder, sorcery, fornication, and theft. Your property's not safe. Only place my car has ever been broken into was when I was at church. Well, they knew I was going to be in there for a certain amount of time and <laughs> broke into my car. Our property is not safe. Even in this town, someone is just as likely to come on your property and take what is yours because they want it. And that's the only reason. That's not. So those four sins. And aren't they prevalent today? Murderers, sorceries, or drug use, fornication, pornography, and thefts are prevalent in our world today. See, the world in general just cries out. Times coming. The time of Christ this world's coming to an end. 
See, back in Genesis chapter 6, what did God say about man? The only thought of his imagination was evil continually. And folks, that describes our world today. But there are also warnings in the realm of religion. Do you know that ultimately this world is going to be brought together under the Antichrist's ungodly religion? It may be humanism, it may be something else, but he's going to have a religion that he's going to bring the world together with. Revelation chapter 13, verse 3. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. That's the Antichrist. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? That word wonder means to be astonished. They were amazed at the beast. And here's why the world is going to be so willing to follow the Antichrist. See, I'm thankful because I know what the Bible teaches. Now, let me just say, I believe that we're going to go out of here at the beginning of the tribulation. Amen. I have some folks that want to wait around until the middle of it. Folks, I don't want to wait. Now, some folks that just think, well, it's, we're going to have to go through all of it and go out at the end. No, I believe the Word of God clearly teaches that you and I are not going to have to endure God's wrath and that we're going to be taken out of here before these things occur because we know Christ is Savior. So you know who's going to be left on this earth? Only folks who don't know Christ as Savior. Now, if the world is this bad with God's people residing in it, what's going to happen to this world when God's people are taken out of it? It's going to get a whole lot worse. But people are going to follow the Antichrist. Well, why are people going to follow the Antichrist? Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day, talking about the coming of the Lord and, and the end times, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, listen to this, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Here a man's coming on the scene who's going to say I'm God you worship me I was watching a thing the other day there was a man that sort of started his own religion and as he progressed in it you know what he ultimately said he said I'm Yahweh I'm God and his word was law and if you didn't listen to his word he just killed you that's what's coming to this whole world and by the way he's going to be the the Antichrist is going to be the consummate politician. We think some of our politicians today are good. This man's going to sway the whole world. He'll have great power to deceive people. Listen to verses 9 through 12 in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie literally the lie the lie of the antichrist that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness so I won't believe the antichrist when he comes if you don't know Christ the savior you're left behind guess what you will Amen. that's what the word of God says God will send them strong delusion so that they'll listen what the Antichrist has to say. And listen, this religious world today is being prepared for that very thing. Amen. For the next few minutes, I want to share with you some things that I've just taken from, that have been reported in the news just this century, this last 23 years of the 21st century. And 
To me, it is preparing the world for a united religion worldwide. Several years ago, the Pope invited leaders from all the world religions to join him at the town of Assisi in Italy to pray for peace. It says it's the third such peace meeting that the Catholic pontiff has called, and the call was in the wake of 9-11. You remember what happened on 9-11. The French press reported, Pope gathers world faiths to fend off the dark clouds of terrorism. The article continued, clerics of faith ranging from Christianity to Islam to Judaism to Hinduism to Buddhism and traditional African religions in a call for an end of all war, terror, and violence at the gathering in Assisi. Just this past Monday, now we're moving up to 2023, okay? Just this past Monday, the Pope met with European rabbis and decried anti-Semitism, that's hatred of the Jews, okay, war and terrorism. Do you think one of the things that the Antichrist might use to bring people together is the fear of terrorism? We got to all unite, you know, otherwise this is going to go on. Protestants and Catholics are seeking reconciliation with one another as well as with all religions. By the way, we're not Protestants, you know that. Baptists never, true Baptists never have been Protestants, never will be Protestants. And so we're not Protestants. Christians, Muslims, and Jews across America are praying and worshiping together more than at any other time in history, claimed Christian News. Listen to this one. The Lutheran World Federation, the LWF, and the Catholic Church joined the World Methodist Council and the World Alliance of Reformed Churches a few years ago to discuss the doctrine of justification. Religions coming together. The dialogue was held in Columbus, Ohio. The LWF and the Vatican wanted to widen their previous agreement called a joint declaration on the doctrine of justification which said they had reached a consensus and basic truths about justification. There's only one place you're going to get basic truths about justification and that's in the word of God not with a meeting of various religions that believe different things. Buddha and Muhammad are among the prophets of old who led God's people to God's light, claimed a prayer used by some Episcopal churches during the celebration of All Saints Day. In ecumenical discussions recently at Lambeth Conference in Canterbury, England, Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, has said that most Anglicans recognize... You know what an Anglican is? That's Church of England, right? Where did the Church of England come from? Out of the Catholic Church. When the Pope wouldn't allow Henry VIII to get a divorce, he just started his own religion. Okay? But now we read this. Archbishop of Canterbury has said that most Anglicans recognize the Pope as the father of the church in the West. He believes that the majority of the Church of England's members acknowledge the Pope to be the father of the church in the West. What's happening? Coming together. A new study found that more than 60%, get this one, of born-again Christians in the United States between the ages of 18 and 39 believe that Buddha, Muhammad, and Jesus are all valid paths to salvation. 18 to 39, that's a core group, you know it? That is a core group in many churches, and they just ignore what the Bible says. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not by Buddha, not by Muhammad, not by anybody's good works, but only through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Some surveys show that the majority of church members maintain that all religions actually worship the same God. I beg your pardon on that. And that a person must work at least in part his own way to salvation. Folks, the religious world is corrupt. The religious world knows little about, if anything, about the Word of God. This past Wednesday, Pope Francis said that the full restoration of communion among all Christians, by the way, that probably wouldn't include us, you know, among all Christians is an urgent priority in today's world, and the WCC president issued a call to put our faith in Christ Jesus and truly embrace ecumenism together for justice, reconciliation, and unity. And it all sounds good, folks. But when you've got people who believe the Bible that salvation is by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and you've got people that believe you've got to work your way into heaven, and that Buddha and Muhammad are just as good as Jesus, there's no way to reconcile that. And then you add the desire of some Baptists to want to unite with other so-called Christian faiths, and you can easily see the amalgamation of religion that's taking place in our world today. This world has been being prepared. There's one that's not in my notes, but I'm going to mention it. Have you noticed how everything today is a miracle? The miracle of birth. Birth's not a miracle. Birth is the normal way that God intended for a child to come into this world. Somebody has an accident and they don't die and they live. And oh, it was a miracle. No, it was God's hand protecting them. I said recently my dad fell 35 feet from a pole. And I won't go through the description of all of his injuries. He had a complete change out of blood. Eight pints of blood they put in him. He lived. Was it a miracle? No, it was God taking care of him. And a lot of people were praying for him after that accident. The Antichrist is going to be a miracle worker. And people are being prepared to accept miracles today. I know I'm running long, but one more. We're going to get this one. The condition of the Lord's churches and many who profess Christ as Savior. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first five verses, you're familiar with them. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power of out from such turn away and I can prove to you that people love pleasure more than they love God Amen. look around you I know some folks aren't here because of health reasons I understand that some folks may have to work I understand that but the vast majority of this church loves pleasure or whatever they're doing today then they love the Lord Without natural affection, talks about the natural love of a parent for a child. Truce breakers, they won't keep a covenant. We have, I don't know if it's hanging out, I think it still is, out in our vestibule, a thing called a church covenant. I had a seminary professor say one time, we ought to take those off our walls because nobody pays any attention to them anyway. Well, we ought to. There are things that we agree together to do. Incontinent, that means no command over self or passions, fierce, savage, traitors, false accusers, despisers, all of those things, heady, headstrong, they do what they want to do. And isn't that evident today in Lord's churches? High-minded, clouded by a vapor, a little bit arrogant, right? And lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God and only having a form of godliness. That means just going through the motions on a Sunday morning. I never want to go through, just go through the motions. 
We come here to worship God. We come here to hear a message from the word of God. It's not time to play around, folks. Rapture warning, okay? There's a reason it was flashing red up on the screen. It's a warning. It needs to get our attention. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, the falling away, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. The word falling away is from a word that has, is related to the word for divorce. It's a repudiation. It is a defection. It's more than just backsliding and quitting church. Now, a lot of that goes on and has for a long time and is going on today. I said, just look around you. But this is God's people and the Lord's churches turning their backs on the truth. Churches that had once stood for the truth saying, well, it really doesn't matter. No, it matters. It may not matter to people, but it matters to God. Right. I always want this to be a pure church, pure before God. I don't care what man says about us. As long as God says, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Second Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4 tell us why it will take place. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. He's saying there's a time when God's people will not have any real love for the truth. What he's saying is God's people would rather have cute funny little stories. And rather hear how good they are. Than to hear from the word of God. A message even like this one. And they'll seek the preachers who will say those things to them. You know, you can preach error and you can fill a building. I watched a little bit. I like to watch college football. Don't care for pro. I like to watch college football. And I turned on the beginning of this game between, I think it was LSU and Florida in Death Valley, they call it. And I looked at those stands. Thousands of people in the stadium. I mean, I don't think there was a seat open just from the view I saw. I sort of wonder how many of those are going to be in church in the morning. You can't get a third of, you can't get a tenth of that many people to show up for church. And yet they'll show up for a football game. We don't have to look far to see that these things are happening right under our noses and even in churches that were once considered sound in the faith. Pew Research Center published a survey showing that about 3 in 10 U.S. adults are now religiously unaffiliated. It means they don't belong to a church. And self-identified Christians make up about 63% of the U.S. population. It did in 2021, and that's down from 75% a decade before. No wonder they're calling this post-Christian America. The number of U.S. adults who say they pray daily has been trending downward, as has the percentage who say religion is very important in their lives. A 2022 survey showed that Bible users were 10% fewer among American adults from 49% in 2021 to 39% in 2022. If you're not reading the Bible and you're trying to worship God, I don't know what you're reading. The report says nearly 26 million Americans reduced or stopped their interaction with Scripture in the past year. How many? 26 million. We just had, I hope, I, I don't ask, I don't want to know, but we just had to encourage everyone to read through the Bible this year. And we, the 31st of October was when we read the last chapter in Revelation. Now, did you participate or not? I don't know, but I hope you did. 
only 6% of Americans have a dominantly biblical world view. Rapture warning, folks. These things are a rapture warning. Jesus is coming back. And we've been told to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Child of God, are you praying that way? Are you praying for Jesus to come and things to be done on this earth like they're done in heaven? Are you living like Jesus could come back today? Because he could come back today. Amen. He could come back before I finish this message. If you're not ready for the rapture, you better get ready. This little boy heard grandfather clock strike 13 times. And you know what he said? He said, it's later than it's ever been. Well, folks, it's later than it's ever been. Amen. Tomorrow, if we make tomorrow, tomorrow you'll be a day closer to the coming of Christ. And by the way, be a day closer to your death Amen. than you are today. If you're a child of God, you need to be serving God faithfully, right? And for the folks watching by way of live stream and anybody else, if you're not saved, you need to be saved today. Because what's going to happen if Jesus comes today and a person's not saved? Second Thessalonians 2.10 speaks of those who have received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And verses 11 and 12 tell us what's going to happen. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie and then it tells us that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And here's what Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 through 9 tell us. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from, and that means out and away from, not in the presence of, out and away from, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. A person who dies without Christ will never enter into the presence of God, except maybe at the great white throne judgment where he hears, depart from me, I never knew you. And if you're saved, here's six ways, very quickly, I'm not going to, Terry, on this, six ways to be ready for the rapture. Number one, be saved. Be certain that you know Christ as Savior. You know, it doesn't hurt for somebody that claims to have been saved for years and years and years to just do a check every once in a while. Be secure. Have absolute assurance and resting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, be serving. Develop a faithful service to Christ. You know, that's a way that helps you feel more secure in your salvation too, doesn't it? Number four, be steadfast. Prepare for persecution because it's coming. Number five, be sharing. Learn how to share your faith and do it. Share Christ with others. And number six, be separated. Make a clean break with the world. We sing a song sometimes. Hadn't sung it in a long time but because I don't think it's in any of our hymnals. It's in some of the old... Uh, some of the older hymnals, and it says this, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We have so many of God's people who live like their treasures are on this earth. And that everything I can amass here, I'm going to be able to take with me when I die. You don't see a hearse pulling a U-Haul, folks. We can't take any of it with us. The only thing we're going to have when we leave this life we go to heaven, it's what we've sent on ahead, and we do that by serving Christ in this life. 
And again, if somebody's not saved, you need to be. Right now, right this moment. How can I be saved? By turning to God, that's repentance. Turning to God, confessing, agreeing with God, I'm a lost sinner, I need to be saved. And then by faith, asking God to save you. Faith in what? Faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe.